You're listening to the Ultimate PT Podcast with The Training Room, bringing you the latest news, insights and education from the world of personal training. Hi there and welcome to the Ultimate PT Podcast with myself, Hasit Jethwa. I'm the lead tutor for the Midlands Academies for the company called Training Room and I handle Nottingham, Birmingham and Peterborough. In terms of this podcast, it's going to be based on carbohydrates and we're going to look at it from a bit of a simpler point of view and then progress it as the series moves on uh, or the segment moves on uh, to looking at body composition and how it affects body composition. Ties in a little bit from Luke's on the previous episode, who covered fad diets in great detail. So if you haven't checked that out, do have a look at that. A lot of great detail on there covering a lot of the, the fad diets and the myths. But this is going to be focusing solely on carbohydrates, going from the basics in regards to their functions and then moving up to talking about the structures. And then, like I said, covering body composition and how it ties in with that. Just a little bit of background on what we do at the training room. So we are the leading providers in health and fitness industry for the level two fitness instructing and level three personal training qualifications. We pride ourselves on delivering top quality content uh, and expressing our knowledge and showing our additional knowledge from our various different backgrounds. We aim to produce elite personal trainers here at the training room. We work with big gym chains such as Nuffield, David Lloyd, the gym group, just to name a few. So let's start off with the very basics in terms of carbohydrates. So what are they? Uh, of course, everyone knows that they are our primary fuel source for the body, amongst others, such as fats and even proteins that can be used as a fuel source, but primarily they're one of our main fuel sources. According to government guidelines, they recommend about 50-60% uh, of your intake, daily intake being carbohydrate focused. And again, we'll go into the type of carbohydrates very soon. Another thing to be aware of is the energy systems. So in terms of our aerobic energy system, uses oxygens, carbohydrates and fats. Our lactate energy system, which we use at kind of moderate to sub-maximal intensity, that uses just carbohydrates. So we've got two out of the three total energy systems, which cover a lot of the spectrum in terms of intensities. So when people talk about carbohydrates, one of the main things they're referring to is glucose. So glucose is the broken down form of carbohydrates. It's also what things like insulin are there to control, blood glucose. In terms of stored forms, a stored form of carbohydrate, or where you store that glucose away, it's normally called glycogen. So your stored forms of glucose or carbohydrates, ultimately called glycogen. Anything normally begin with sort of gly or glue tends to relate to um, glucose and carbohydrates overall. So carbohydrates, there's plenty of different types of carbohydrates and there's plenty of names associated with different forms of carbohydrates. One of the big, biggest examples I can give you is fibres. So a lot of people aren't even aware that fibre is a form of a carbohydrate. Yes, it's an indigestible source, uh, but it's still a form of carbohydrate and it plays a massive role in gut function as well as preventing gastrointestinal uh, diseases. Another one, starches. So starch is just a word for complex carbohydrates. And of course, people are aware of sugars. So sugars are what we call simple carbohydrates. 
So leading on from talking about simple and complex carbs, just gonna to touch a bit about the structures of them. So in terms of simple carbohydrates or sugars, we classify these into two groups usually. So we have monosaccharides, which are basically single molecules. For example, glucose. Glucose is a single molecule. It's a monosaccharide carbohydrate. It's also why in hospitals they put you on a glucose strip. It's basically the simplest and fastest absorption rates uh, in terms of a carbohydrate. So it gets out into your bloodstream really, really quickly. You then have things like disaccharides, which basically combine two of the single molecules. So you may see things on the back of the packets, such as uh, chocolates and cereal bars, etc. And there may be something called sucrose. So sucrose is a combination of the monosaccharides, glucose and fructose. So these create what we call a disaccharide. So it's a bit more complex, but obviously they're still two simple monosaccharides joined together. So whenever you see these kind of things, sucrose, lactose, maltose, etc., just be aware that these are disaccharides. Glucose, fructose and galactose tend to be more monosaccharide based. So how do simple carbohydrates differ from complex ones? Well, complex is kind of in the name, they're complex in terms of structure. So they take a lot longer to break down and process. They're made up of multiple blockchains of glucose usually, and therefore the processing time is that much longer. Breakdown is that much longer, so it takes that much longer to then get into your bloodstream and be utilized as a, as a potential energy source. Now sticking with the basics, we'll go on to the sources of complex and simple carbohydrates. But before we go on to that, I want to talk about refined and unrefined, because you might see this come across quite a lot. So refined is basically where it's manufactured or processed, you know, processed foods, for example, are refined. Unrefined is more of a natural state. So it's generally better for you, generally uh, sort of the healthier option. So if we're looking at simple carbohydrates, Things such as fruit will be classified as unrefined. Yeah, they come in a general, uh, fairly natural state, quite high in vitamins and minerals. They do contain very simple sugars like fructose and glucose, contain antioxidants, uh, dietary fibers. Obviously, they do not contain things like amino acids. Refined, however, simple carbohydrates again, we're looking at things like biscuits, cakes, some of the easiest stuff you might snack on or we might snack on. These generally, to, uh, generally contain excessive sugar. They generally contain poor qualities of fat. Generally tend to have a lot of calories associated with them as well. And that will go into talking about body composition and how that might affect it. In terms of uh, unrefined carbohydrates of complex ones, these are things like whole grains, vegetables, pulses, uh, quinoa, for example. Again, they offer the same qualities high in vitamins and minerals, high in antioxidants. Compare it to complex carbohydrates that are refined, things like white bread, white pasta. Again, a lot of people think that this is okay or it's classified as a complex carbohydrate, but it still contains a lot of excessive sugar, which again, we'll come on to very soon when we go into body composition. Now, leading on from the previous segment, it's not to say that simple carbohydrates you should avoid and complex is all you should be eating. Far from that, you've just got to make sure you get the timings of food correct. And again, throughout this segment, throughout this episode, we'll be touching upon you know timings of certain foods. There's a there's a time and a place for a simple carbohydrate. There's also time for complex carbohydrates. 
There's also massive effects in terms of how it affects your hormones and how it affects body composition, which again, we will touch on. So as this episode goes towards carbohydrates and how they're utilized and how they start affecting body composition, I'm going to introduce something called glycemic index. Glycemic index is a 1 to 100 scale. So this is a 1 to 100 scale based on how quickly carbohydrates are broken down, taken in, absorbed in, and put into your bloodstream essentially. So this scale was really important, especially for people with diabetes, to start differentiating what foods might be better off for them, what foods might not be so good for them. In terms of uh, body composition, it also plays a massive part. We're going to touch on this in a second. Certain foods such as white breads might be classified as a complex carbohydrate, but they still get processed quite quickly and put into your bloodstream. And this is one of the first points I want to make. Complex carbohydrates doesn't always mean that they're going to take a long time to process within the body. Okay, It's just more so the, the, the structure, but that structure can be broken down quite quickly. And that's why this GI scale was so important or glycemic index scale was so important. Something like, let's say, roasted peanuts, for example, that is going to be slightly lower on the GI scale. So these are going to take a lot longer to actually process and put into your, your blood sugar. So for the general public, when do you think it's going to be most suitable to have a high GI or low GI or glycemic index food? Think about the times you might need that burst of energy a little bit more. Think about when you might not necessarily need so much of a blood sugar spike. For example, things like in the morning. First thing in the morning, you've essentially gone through uh, eight, nine hour fast, seven hour fast for some of you guys, 13 hour fast for some of you guys, depending on the night before. But that's a period of not having any food in your body. So in the morning, you might necessarily, you might actually want something to, to kickstart and get in there quite quickly. It's also why things like whey protein are recommended being a fast source of protein intake. Things like complex or the lower GI scale foods, things like the, your whole grains, your pulses, like I gave an example of uh, roasted peanuts and that sort of stuff, that's gonna be a lot more suitable throughout the rest of your day. Okay. Uh, the reason for that is to get you through certain parts of it. If you're consistently putting high GI foods in, so high glycemic, high sugar, fast absorption, it's going to normally follow by what we call a sugar crash because normally spikes followed by a sugar crash. The more sugars you put in, in one hit, and the, if they're absorbed very quickly and they're put into your bloodstream, you're going to get an abundance of sugar. Normally follows by uh, the insulin response, which is to mop up all the excess of sugar that's now in your bloodstream. And it normally results in a crash. At this point, people feel very lethargic. They feel tired and nine times out of ten they're going to probably reach to another simple sugar and the whole process kickstarts again so how does this all affect you as a personal trainer a fitness instructor or even just somebody who's doing basic research into carbohydrates and their effect on the body plays a massive role. We're going to target it from a bit more of a fat loss point of view and then even touch on it from a muscle gaining point of view. So with carbohydrates, like I said to you, uh, having a, an abundance of fast digesting or as we now know it, high glycemic index foods, they get processed and they put into the bloodstream very quickly. I mentioned about the insulin response. 
which basically mops up blood sugar. So that's the hormone that's released from the pancreas uh, and it mops up the excessive blood glucose or blood sugar. And it normally stores it in the form of glycogen in the actual muscles and the liver. Now, if you've got a client that doesn't necessarily train or doesn't work out and doesn't work the muscles, you're going to have an abundance or, or excessive amount of, of these sugars that have nowhere to be stored. Imagine it being like an NTP car park. Every time a car goes in, you're going to eventually fill up all the spots. Once all the parking spaces are full, if another car goes in, it's not going to be able to park anywhere. And imagine glucose or sugar being exactly the same way. The sugar goes in, it's in your bloodstream, but then it can't actually park up anywhere. It can't stop anywhere. So the only time it can stop is when something comes back out or a car leaves the NTP car park. And in that case, or in the, in the PT environment, we're looking at muscles being worked. And this ties into how and why resistance training is so important. Because if these muscles are not being worked and there's no activity, or there's lack of activity, all that's going to happen is these uh, excess blood sugars are just going to be going into storage or the overflow car park. In this scenario, the overflow car park, normally lipocytes or fat cells. So the first place it's going to kind of go to once it can't go to your muscles and your liver is going to start looking at, right, where can, it, where can I be stored? Fat cells is going to be the first option after that, uh, after the muscles and the liver. Now, the bad thing about fat cells is they have the ability to accommodate. Imagine this overflow car park now has the ability to accommodate for an unlimited amount of cars. They can keep expanding, they can keep multiplying. So if there's excessive energy being put in in the form of sugars that you don't really do anything with, they need to be put somewhere. And these fat cells will say, yep, I'm free. Come to, come to this car park. Okay, you, can keep, you can keep storing away whichever cars you need right here. And hence you get uh, an increase in body fat now. Now the thing about that sort of cycle as well is it releases something called leptin. Now leptin is another hormone which does a lot of things such as controlling metabolism, but in this environment, we're going to look at it from a point of view in terms of appetite. So leptin predominantly controls appetite. It sends signals to your brain, specifically the, the hypothalamus within your brain. And it basically signals to say, I am full or I am hungry. Now, if you're constantly getting this uh, blood sugar that spikes because you're having a high GI food and you're not doing anything with that energy, you're getting constant storage within your fat cells, you're getting constant release of leptin. Eventually your body starts to uh, develop leptin resistance, which means you now no, do not have much of a control on appetite. You don't know really when you're hungry and when you're full. It's gonna be a quite a vicious cycle to get into. And this is when understanding the differences between high GI and low GI become even more apparent. So this is just trying to get you as an audience to think about uh, the, the actual type of intake of food and how it's actually going to affect somebody who might be quite new into training. Let's say one of your clients, you know, doesn't have much history of background, but then you go and look at their, their nutritional diaries and then you see it's full of high GI foods and you'll, you, you should be able to now understand a bit of a reason as to why their body fat might be slightly higher. I also want to tie in things like diabetes because it plays a big role in carbohydrates. Now, in terms of where I spoke about uh, the carbohydrates going into the body, getting broken down into blood glucose, and then you get insulin that kind of mops it up. Diabetes type one is when there's a problem with that insulin release from the pancreas. So if you are injecting di uh, the insulin into your body, that's type one diabetics. It is unfortunately hereditary, but there's a problem with the pancreas either releasing or not releasing enough insulin into the body when it 
actually gets that blood sugar spike or the blood glucose spike. Now diabetes type 2, that's a bit more self-induced. That's now affecting the second portion. So this is when the insulin now is mopping up that blood glucose and it's taking it or trying to take it to the muscle stores, but they're not having it. And that's normally down to things like lack of activity, like I covered, lack of resistance training. So you can see how all of this could tie into other medical conditions, things like type 2 diabetes, which you can try to kind of sort out through, through diet in terms of replacing things like high GI for low GI through most of the day. And then things like resistance training playing a quite important part or general activity that's going to utilize some form of muscles because we need to get these saturated muscles that are full of this glucose. We need to get these cars out of that NTP car park. So you need to get them doing active work so that when insulin does come and mop up this blood glucose from your bloodstream, it does have the actual muscles to take it to and your muscles do accept it. Instead of going to the muscles, getting rejected, and going to that overflow car park in our in our scenario is the fat cells so you can see how this all ties in with with body composition just and that's just touching on it on a very basic level as well that leads me on to my next point so we're going to talk about hypertrophy or hypertrophy depending on how you pronounce it carbohydrates play a massive role in terms of how the aesthetics of a muscle looks and we're going to look and focus on something called sarcoplasmic growth Sarcoplasmic growth is all about expanding the actual cell size or cell volume of a particular uh, muscle cell. It involves carbohydrates, it involves a lot of all other organelles as well, things like mitochondria are involved in there, muscle cell fluid is also in there. And in terms of training, one of the main aims of somebody looking to build muscle is to actually deplete carbohydrates within it. So if you are looking for aesthetics, uh, a lot of the times you're going to focus on things like time under tension. You're going to focus on volume a lot of people talk about. And that's purely because you want to try kind of get these cells that are full of this carbohydrates to start getting rid of some. You, start, you want to apply a bit of stress where they haven't got too much carbohydrates within the actual system. So when you finish that session, you know, right, okay, I need to refuel. And this is when the, the actual replenishment comes into play. Now you might hear a lot of people talk about how you want to have a high carbohydrate diet when you're looking to increase sort of muscle size and this is pretty much why. It ties in with what I just spoke about with sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, looking at replenishing the used glycogen. The problem occurs when a lot of people do not actually deplete to a high enough standard and they refuel too much. So they put too much carbohydrates and too many calories into their body. This is when you might see or start seeing an increase in, in fat or, or body fat percentage. If you can kind of maintain your calories to a, a good level, uh, which will be a topic for another day, another series, then you can start manipulating how you look because you can start incorporating the right amount or the right percentage of carbohydrates, proteins and fats in your macronutrients. Like I said, the problem occurs normally is when people do not train with enough intensity they don't get enough volume in and then they go out and have a hell of a lot of refueling and a hell of a lot of carbohydrates. Same problem is going to occur as what we covered before. If you put too much carbohydrates in one hit and you've got too much excessive energy you're not doing anything with, it's going to get into fat storage at some point. Also covers the importance of actually having high GI foods at the right time. So high GI foods are really important to have when you are going to be in around training. I always say to students and clients, 
don't play around too much with your carbohydrate intake, especially if your goal is, is kind of muscle building in around your actual training times. It's a time when you're going to need blood glucose available. You don't want to start having a detrimental effect in terms of breaking down uh, muscle tissues. So carbohydrates are, are really important and that's when your high GIs come into play. So a lot of people might, have, might be thinking at the end of this podcast that, right, I need to stay away from high GI foods. No, not the case at all. You just need to worry about the timings in which you're having that high GI foods and when it, when are you actually putting it in, when you're scheduling it or penciling it in to, to have these higher, faster absorption foods. Pre, intro and post workouts, obviously great times to have it. I covered uh, about the morning being a good time to have it. So these are all options that you need to think about, not only for yourself in, in training if you're just doing a bit of research on carbohydrates, but for your clients, if you're fairly new to the industry and you want to look at scheduling and penciling in uh, their nutritional plans. So just want to wrap up by saying a big thank you for those of you who have listened to the podcast on carbohydrates. There'll be the next episode coming out very soon in around a month's time. So do keep an eye out for that. Take care, have a good week and goodbye. Thanks again. Check out The Training Room on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or visit thetrainingroom.com for more information on our health and fitness courses. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you tune in again next time.